The following is a Bunkazilla original production. We are monsters of culture. Why, hello there, everyone. Welcome to Bunker Mania. On this day, I see clearly everything has come to life. It's true. It's true. Bunker Mania is back here on Bunkerzilla. Welcome to the show. I am Jeremy Graves, and welcome to this special episode zero, if you will, of the new incarnation of Bunkerzilla. Of Bunkerzilla's Bunker Mania, I should say, but I'm, honestly, I'm so excited about this. I have wanted to talk about wrestling again for a very long time. Some of you who are watching this may be aware of past ventures I've been involved with. Some of you may not. Either way, there are a few things you should know about me, that being Jeremy Graves. I get very hyperactive. I have a lot of energy. And you guys are going to have a great time because I am joined here on Bunker Mania by my cohort in crime. He is very much the Shawn Michaels when I am Marty Jannetty. And I'm saying that because it's a blooming fact. It is the one and only Ian Bolton. Hello, 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 hello. Oh, this feels weird not being on the hosting side of things. You get to chill out. Right, I get to go along for the ride. It's like, I don't know where we're going, but I'm excited. <laughs> so many of you are probably wondering, why is Bunker Mania returning now? Like we were talking just before we started recording and the last regularly scheduled Bunker Mania was way back around 2018, around the time of WrestleMania 34, everybody. And quite honestly, the reason is just because we want to have fun talking about wrestling. Indeed. We don't we don't necessarily know what direction we're going to be going, going in every week when it comes to this. There'll be some things that may be a regular occurrence and whatnot. But in general, the idea is just to have fun talking about wrestling. Because that's what people like to do. Have fun talking yeah. about wrestling. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, Bunker Mania was, was always kind of like one of the early shows that I always wanted to have with Bunkerzilla when we launched this radio station back in in 2018. And myself and Chris R. Allen, who pops up still on Bunkerzilla stuff like Film Raw, Chris Smash, and we hope to have him here on Bunker Mania again soon as well. Um, but yeah, it just, I think, uh, workloads built, built up and... Sometimes watching wrestling, in particular at that time, WWE was kind of like a. Uh, uh, mm. I mean, there is uh, also the other element that there yeah. is roughly, on average, what like twenty hours of wrestling a week to watch a week oh, there, minimum. Oh, there's there's so much more hours of wrestling coming up now and in the future now with more shows from AEW and that coming up. So it's like, obviously, as a wrestling fan, it's a great time to be a wrestling fan. Mm. But trying to keep a grip of everything and like on a weekly basis is really, really hard. And there's only like one or two shows I generally do watch like mm. properly. And I try to watch properly. And the others, it's just, I just haven't had the time. And it's not because I want to avoid watching the shows or I have no interest in them. I just have to kind of, I just have to read up on the results. I have to get the opinions of places like Bleacher Report or even some of the YouTube channels like WrestleTalk, Cultaholic, all that sort of stuff. And and basically if there's a good match that I've missed, then I'll go out my way and try and find it. Um, yeah, it's just... Like I said, great time to be a wrestling fan. Incredibly hard to keep on top of everything. <laughs> yeah, very much. And I think from my point of view, like I like to try and watch what I can, but just realistically mm. speaking, it's not very possible. The only show I will go out of my way to watch, also very spoiler-free. I, I, I much prefer watching things spoiler-free. That's just my jam on quite a mm. lot of stuff. But I will go out of my way to stay spoiler-free on AEW Dynamite. 
It's the one show I literally will watch every week. And if there's if I don't get a chance to watch it, there better be a blooming good reason. Not the fact <laughs> that, you know, it's currently being preempted for a month and airing on a Friday night. So that gets a little bit awkward. But yeah. in general, to me, watching something spoiler-free is just a lot more enjoyable or a lot worse in some cases, depending on what happens. But that, that's just how I've always enjoyed watching stuff. And when it comes to WWE, it's not that I don't, watch it because i sometimes try and watch pay-per-views again spoiler free so i can vaguely keep up with what's going on but otherwise like you said you can keep up on with loads of websites reporting on it other channels and such but also another thing as well is wwe basically uploads clips to their youtube channel so why watch why watch (laughs) an entire three hour episode of raw when you can kind of watch it all in clip form over the course of like 20 minutes half an hour quite frankly i will uh, well raw at the moment is kind of even quite unwatchable, even in its YouTube state, to be honest. Um, it, yeah, I think the, the only two shows I generally try and make time to watch, um, NXT on a Tuesday night going into Wednesday morning. So I usually, a Wednesday like we're recording today, I'm up early before work. I sit down, I watch it. It's about 90 minutes worth of stuff. And I'm usually entertained by it. And the other show is currently SmackDown. And that's mostly because I'm really enjoying the Roman Reigns stuff. Uh, anything else, if it's good, I'll start, I'll try and keep watching it. If not, I might fast forward a bit. I'm mostly there for like the main event scene, really. Um, but even with AEW, um, I, yeah, like I said, I do keep up with the results. I do check out some of the clips. Um, usually when the big pay-per-views come around, like Double or Nothing or Revolution, I am watching it. I am, I am ordering the pay-per-view and watching it as well, just to sort of keep up with the, with the, with the uh, zeitgeist, uh, so to speak, with, with, with all elite at the moment. Because, yeah, it's like, where we're only what like two weeks two weeks removed from double or nothing and lots more stuff's going on that is like i just can't keep up with <laughs> good stuff yeah <laughs> yeah that, that's and i mean when you factor in other places as well like you know japanese wrestling and such like that or if you're yeah. someone that follows lucha libre as well like there is there really is too much to watch and in some ways and obviously given you know we're in a pandemic it's kind of not the right thing to say but in some weird way not having independent wrestling happening currently has actually been a way for people to get up to date or really pick and choose what they want to watch. Because there was a point where if you yeah. literally tried to follow everything, <laughs> all, you're, all you're doing with your life is watching wrestling, which, you know, we've both been there. I'm sure many people watching yeah. and hearing this have been in the same instance as well. But there comes a point where you need to go out for a walk. Indeedy. Indeedy. Um, and usually by the time like, you get to the end of it's like, again, like three hours of Raw, two hours of NXT two hours of uh, AEW, even like, I think two hours now of dark. And then we've got dark elevation as well. Again, roughly two hours. So you've got six hours from AEW on a, a weekly basis and nearly, uh, nearly, and again, six hours uh, from, from WWE seven, if you include NXT UK as well. Um, yeah. And, and don't forget about main event, WWE main, main event, a <laughs> premier event. program in the weekly <laughs> calendar. <laughs> oh, so that's, uh, so that's now going up to so that's seven and now we'll go to eight. So yeah, it's just like there's, there is nearly, yeah, near coming up to 20 plus hours of wrestling, especially with the new shows coming up from AEW, obviously uh, Rampage, which is launching very, very soon. Uh, again, even more, even more content and uh, Roku with uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling as well. Yeah, or just New Japan in general, like via yeah. the New Japan World Streaming Service and such. Like, yeah, th- th- there just comes a point where there is only so much you can watch. It's like yeah. watching anything. Like, if you've got a subscription to Amazon Prime, to Netflix, 
try to think of something else that there is in the world like uh, Disney you, Plus. Disney Plus, thank you. Like there, or, there is just, there is so much. Yeah, or obviously for for US viewers and listeners, uh, Peacock, which is obviously the place where you can watch all your mm-hmm. all your WWE network at the moment in the US. HBO or, Max as well. Yeah, yeah. Hulu, yeah, uh, Hulu. Yeah, like you said. Yeah, th- th- there is just so much. So yeah, I think when, when, that's very much established sort of where we are at with as wrestling fans. Because I also, yeah. uh, I will say now, because some people, I talked earlier in the intro about like previous ventures. I used to do a show called Dropkick Radio and I did that for like five, six years, I think it was, doing like interviews okay. and all sorts of other stuff. So I, I've sort of done this for, for, I did that for quite a while, I should say. And that involved like watching pretty much every show, which at that point was Raw, SmackDown and Impact plus pay-per-views, plus some indie shows and whatnot here and there, going to shows as well. And, you know, me and my buddies would talk about them, quite frankly. So I watched a lot of wrestling every week for a good number of years. And there just comes a point where I just want to enjoy stuff. Yeah, I watch stuff to enjoy it. And I'm very much at a point where if I'm not enjoying it, which I will say now, it takes a lot for me to not like something. Mm. Like, it has to probably be the dirt worst for me to to turn it off, But which has only ever happened... A couple of times, I think. I don't necessarily remember what of at this very moment, but it takes a lot. Like, here's a little bit of context. In what I will call, for many people's eyes, the heyday of TNA Impact being utter garbage, as someone once phrased it to me, I kind of liked it. Just because it was like, just take it for what it is. You know, it's something different. It's an alternative. Uh, I mean, I, it's like, I, I mean, I keep an eye on Impact now and then now because obviously the crossover with AEW in a way. Mm. But, um, but yeah, I think my my most the most exposure I ever had to TNA was probably probably back in like the late probably late nineties, early noughties when there was like the wrestling channel in the UK on digital. No, 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 no. I need to stop you there, Ian. Please do not say the late nineties because you may be feel incredibly old for a second. I'm there. old too. I'm old. But I mean, wrestling channel wasn't around then, though, was it? Was that not like I I two thousand three, two thousand four ish? I want to say. Well, think, there, was the, there was the International Showdown event at Coventry Skydome. That was around yeah. 2005 because that was headlined by AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels, I recall. Also yeah. had CM Punk v Samoa Joe in round four of their of their series of matches, mm. as it were. I think, the I round think that was, no one remembers. I think it was definitely at some point around early noughties it was i remember mm. it was probably just after like the good old and, and this is dipping into like the cartoon years of my of my youth mm. the cnx days oh there you <laughs> where, go <laughs> where you get to watch a bit of being a bit of outlaw star and then a hong kong Legends movie and then something else or maybe more johnny quest i don't know um but no yeah there was the wrestling channel and they were just constantly always going on with uh tna is like the jeff jarrett era of it as well with mm. the six-sided ring and all that sort of stuff and occasionally i just watch it now and then and just kind of go what is going on this seems very weird and this is by this is at a time when i was probably more well known well versed in in wwe than of the 90s and early noughties before even contemplating <laughs> contemplating the existence of any other wrestling franchise out there <laughs> yeah well did you know, actually that, that that's actually a nice little segue to kind of what we mm. were gonna in a way sort of start off with properly and that was this is episode zero, as we're calling it, because we just want to you know, give you guys a chance to to hear us talk about wrestling, get to know us a little bit. And mm-hmm. so we're going to be doing what I'm affectionately calling the Bunker Mania Mystery Questions Box, oh, which God. is we've got, we've got a whole bunch of questions. I wrote these out probably like a week ago. I shared Ian on a doc. He's added some. 
I've really not looked at this again. So we're basically just going to be picking <laughs> random. We're going to be picking random numbers. See what the question is, and we're just going to give you our first, just first honest answer that comes to our head and whatnot, and just it's, talk about it. Oh, the mystery's going to be fun. Exactly, but I think, <laughs> but I think, given that we've gone back in time a little bit here, let's let's kind of do like a comic book thing here. What are our origin stories when it comes to to becoming a wrestling fan? And I'll, I'll kick it off to give you a moment to think about this. I've probably just sprung okay. this on you without any moments notice. Right. But I go back to I want to say it's the early nineties because I grew up in North London and I vividly remember going in a Tesco's in Boreham Wood and seeing a bunch of WWF figures, kind of like the proper old school ones that had like one move that they could do, like someone's arm would go, ah, and that <laughs> was it. The chop. Literally, and the rest <laughs> of the body was just literally, quite literally. And I, I vaguely recall it being like Randy Savage, maybe the Bushwhackers were in that as well. There was like an old like blue ring you could buy. That was very much kind of my first exposure in a roundabout way to wrestling. But at that same time, in hindsight, that was also the time that SummerSlam 92 was taking place, which took place at Wembley oh, Stadium. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I never went to that because I didn't really know, but I didn't really I, uh, try again. I didn't have access to watch it, is what I should say. I didn't have much mm. access to it. But I used to collect the sticker albums that came out, like cards and stuff like that. I loved all that stuff. I was heavily into it, but I could never actually properly watch it. Mm. It wasn't until probably around a few years, four, five, six years later, around 96, 97, when I had a chance to watch it. The only exception being that around maybe 93 or 94, don't, by the way, one thing you also come to realize people is I remember really random stuff. This is just <laughs> the way I am. It's the way I'm wired. Please just accept it. And, and, and in the politest way, deal with it. But around 93 or 94, I also vividly remember going down to the coast with my parents to visit our nan and she had the tv on only just like regular four three or four channels at that point and mm. on itv there was an episode of wcw worldwide i vividly remember this i didn't know who anyone was because mm -hmm. i didn't know wcw existed i just knew it was a wrestling ring i have no recollection what happened on the show other than i think think that dustin rhodes was on it I think. Just I do not know for a fact. <laughs> exactly right. So uh, I remember that. But otherwise, it wasn't until late 96, maybe early 97, when I then kind of had access to Sky TV and I could watch something a bit more regularly. And I found Raw on, I guess it would have probably been one of the Sky channels at that point. I don't remember which one, but I'm just going to say Sky Sports for, for ease of, of conversation. Yeah. And then it was around probably late, the later in 97, when I randomly discovered... After Cartoon Network would stop airing for that day at about 7 or 8 p.m. on a Friday night, that suddenly WCW Nitro came on. Yep. And, then, and at this point, I was heavily into buying VHS tapes like in Virgin Megastore, mm -hmm. HMV, Mail Away Things, anything. I have such a massive VHS collection. And so I'm still watching older stuff while watching the current WWF stuff at the time. Mm -hmm. But then suddenly... I see Kevin Nash on my screen and I'm confused because I don't know what the heck's going on. <laughs> it's like, but but you were in WWF Diesel. What are exactly. you doing and then, like, there's Scott Hall and whatnot. And it was kind of a bit, it was a weird culture shock, but I loved watching WCW. But 98 is probably when I really got in. I would say that's probably maybe my peak year 
mm-hmm. at that point. Or that's where I really got into like my peak of becoming a wrestling fan. 97, I was still massively into it, like a lot from what I watched. Like Bret Hart is easily one of like my all-time overall favorites. And I can elaborate more on that if that were to come up in a question or something at another point. But that's kind of the era where I really grew up and such. So from an origin perspective, that's where I come from in that okay. in this side of things. So, so, so what about you? Because, I mean, we sort of talked about age and stuff. Where do you begin? <laughs> I, I, I begin, I begin as, as previously <laughs> stated in the episode, somewhere towards the tail end of the 90s. Um, and mostly because um, we had Sky uh, in the house. Um, and I think there were just at random times, uh, I think myself and my brother, we were watching uh, Raw, it's War at the time. And we would, it's like, we didn't necessarily click straight away with it. We were just watching it now and then. And I think the longer we kept watching it, it was kind of like, oh yeah, this this is quite entertaining. I mean, we I I remember seeing bits of WCW Nitro on Cartoon Network after it finished down. Because at that time, I think we were, we were both into the Cartoon Network channel because that was showing great shows like Texas Laboratory, Johnny Bravo, all that sort of stuff. That whole, like, uh, that whole what a cartoon it, phase. It's, of the, it's the, the golden era, the golden era of Cartoon Network, I, I like to say. Cow um, and chicken, all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. and. Um, I just, I just found myself more, I think, connecting with uh, WWF at the time, or WWE as it is now, um, more simply because of characters like Austin, like Taker. Um, even, even around that time, I think the mid card feud of Rock and Triple H and Degeneration X, there was just a lot there to really sort of sink your teeth into, and just the characters were captivating, and you just really, really enjoyed it. Um, and I, and I, and I continued watching WWF. WWE, I'll just call it WWE, make it nice yeah. and easy. So everyone I, knows what I'm I think the, the way I put it is when it comes to that time period, I just regard it as an interchangeable phrase. Yeah. Like whichever one you say, it it it, it means it's the same right. thing. <laughs> it's yeah. technically right. Um, but yeah, just I just I continued watching WWE for a good portion, probably up till about 2005, 2006 at latest. Um, uh, and then I kind of just I just drifted away. Uh, other things were taking a priority at the time, uh, like uni, uh, even even I was getting a lot more into anime and world cinema at the time. Um, so yeah, wrestling just was more of an afterthought. And I only really got back into it in 2015. Um, oh, okay. Essentially more with the the network being more available in the UK. Um, YouTube channels, again, like I mentioned, What Culture, uh, which eventually soon spin, uh, sort of branched off. Some of the team went off to do Cultaholic um wrestle talk and stuff like that and i just i think i i think because in 2015 with the the great appreciation i guess of the storytelling aspect of it because around the time of, of around the time when i was watching it was young is like oh this is like it's uh, it's pro wrestling it's like the cave fabe element was incredibly strong so if so if wrestlers were turning up they were being their whole they were being themselves dialed up to 11 all that sort of all of things saturday night live live and kicking all that sort of stuff but coming back to it in 2015 because People were now being, oh, you see, this is how we told the story. We told it like this. We told it because we wanted this emotion and stuff like that. And appreciating a lot more of the physical aspect of it now, um, that's how I kind of really gelled with wrestling again. And yeah, it's just, I've, I've been kind of focused on it ever since for, 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 for the seven or near seven years uh, that I've, I've returned to it. Um, experiences highs, experience lows, and the, the madness in between. But yeah, that, that, that's me in a nutshell, really. It's never nothing spectacular, but um, but yeah, just like I think like a good portion of probably uh kids at the time, 12, 12 and up. Yeah, if you had Sky and you were watching like Sky Sports after the old round of football, 
oh, look, there's WWE Raw. Yeah, and then it'll be yeah, I, I still remember like Raw used to be because this is another thing, like Raw used to be on a Friday night. Yes. Yeah, like... it's, it's, it's actually something that's not really documented that much online. And it's something mm. I would love to rectify myself at some point, but you know, time, money, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But the but the Monday night war in the UK was a Friday night war. <laughs> like much. Nitro would air <laughs> first and then Raw would air later in the evening. Then eventually mm. and then eventually like Thunder got added after Nitro. So then it was like four hours of WCW and you would then get Raw as well. And if you had the VHS thing yeah. and, and you knew how to like program it into a different channel, you'd be like recording hours of wrestling. And eventually then- Raw got to live on a month. I think eventually Raw was broadcast live on a Monday, but it was kind of weird in some way. And then they still showed it on a Friday, but then SmackDown mm. would air first on a Saturday morning because it used to air on a Saturday night because Raw was on a Friday. It's yeah. so weird. I, it was, I remember a lot of that stuff. It's really weird. It, it was very, it was definitely very weird at the time. Um, so yeah, you're right. It was a Friday night war <laughs> to be perfectly honest. And it's like, I think, I think, no, I think not many people probably well, I think probably older fans at the time who are well versed in obviously the WCW, WWE, uh, Monday night war at the time, probably going, Oh yeah, they did all this on Monday. Don't you know? But for, I think for, for us as youngsters, we were just kind of going, oh, wrestling's a Friday night, not a Monday night. This is a weird concept. What's going <laughs> on? Just, and, it, and and I think you just, even... You just reminded me of something. I'll say it in a second, but it's really dumb. But it's also, it's like you have like the evening versions. Obviously, you get your chair shots. You get all your sort of real sort of really heavy hit moods. And then you watch like a highlights thing that's happening like on Saturday morning. And it's like the chair comes down. It's like you've got a freeze frame for like four seconds or just cut to a random person in the audience going like that <laughs> it's like oh no him with the chair i didn't see that but well, him with the chair believe it <laughs> so anyway. I've, I've three thoughts now the first one when it came to them cutting away to audience members this is how far too into wrestling i was there was a period of time where sky sports would only use the same 10 or 12 cutaways so i vividly remember <laughs> getting home from secondary school to watch Royal Rumble 98 on the replay because I couldn't watch it live and I wanted to watch the replay the the, the night after. Mm. And I vividly remember them cutting away to a couple where a woman is just randomly going, woo, like to imply, I don't know why, I just remember this. And like (laughs) three or four years later on SmackDown, they were still using that same cutaway on the Saturday morning edition. (laughs) It's like so we, dumb, but it's like should we up? It's like should we update? Should we update this shot? Nah, a woman going woo! It's got Literally, all the, it tells you what has just happened in the ring. All right, <laughs> uh, so dumb. But so you mentioned like going out to like, the whole Friday night aspect again. Mm. If you want an example of that being proven, watch Capital Carnage 1998, the UK pay per view that took place at the London Docklands Arena. I was there, but on commentary. Um, JR on one recap bit, I think involving Steve Austin, literally says, here's what happened Friday night on Raw. And the actual lower third says Raw is War last Friday or yesterday evening or something. It was something like that. They literally acknowledged it. The other thing was because young Jeremy was quite an impressionable person and didn't necessarily think that things could be pre-recorded when they say live (laughs) on them. When WCW Nitro came up with its opening graphic and it said WCW Monday Nitro live, I genuinely thought in America, in like Chattanooga, Tennessee, or wherever the heck Nitro was emanating <laughs> from, that it was genuinely Monday and it was live. 
I will going back to Castle Carnage. I remember that one fondly because that was the one which Sky heavily promoted with Vinnie Jones because Lock, Stock and Two Spoken Barrels had just come out mm -hmm. and was doing lots of business at the UK box office. So you had like some of the soundtrack and just Vinnie Jones going, yeah, well, okay, I'm off to this arena to take on Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock and Kurt Angle. And I think I remember, I remember, I remember, I think it was a random promo that McMahon did during the show. Uh, Vince McMahon, and it was like just being insulted to the British. And I remember kind of doing a sort of like that in front of my TV, and I got told off for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like fuck you, McMahon. Uh, Ian, don't do that. Sorry. <laughs> one of my one of my viv. I don't know. I, I don't know why I remember this, but I went with my dad, and I just remember Big Boss Man being involved in a match. I can't remember what one off the top of my head. Yeah. I just remember during that match a chant of "You fat bastards." started being said in the audience and i had such a good time saying that and my dad just let me say it it was great it's like why fight it just just let it just let it out <laughs> exactly i so here is another dumb memory from capital carnage this is this is this is prime jeremy remembering dumb stuff here now folks but i remember we were near the like in the upper i mean the docklands arena it wasn't it wasn't a small arena but as you got in like the upper tiered bit going towards yeah. the back, you naturally got closer to the ceiling. And I remembered where I was, I like was having signs with me because I wanted to have like a sign appear on TV and stuff. Yeah. And we were so high up in the arena that when I held a sign up, it hit the roof. <laughs> Basically, or it, or it hit like a stanchion or something or a lowered bit of the ceiling. And I couldn't actually hold up my sign. I oh. remember being gutted about that. <laughs> oh. So on that note, talking about random memories, let's go to random questions, Ian. So, okay. So, Ian, pick a number between one and thirty-three. Ah, uh, let's go with the birth date. Twelve. Twelve. Annoying chants. Chanting in the crowd. What are some mm. of our annoying pet peeves when it comes to chanting? There are a, a menagerie that you could choose from. Quite frankly, yeah. Um... I think the ones, and it's mostly because of a, it's because I just, I, I just find it very frustrating when obviously uh, audiences are not enjoying what they're seeing on a, on a, on a stage and, and they're entitled to it, but it just, it really detracts in a very badly is the CM Punk chance. And I, and I get it. I get CM Punk is, is uh wildly is widely considered as a great wrestler. Um, I've watched a few of his matches. Uh, again, it's like when I had that, when I was away from wrestling, I completely missed the summer of punk, all that sort of stuff. But I still, oh, man, I, really? But I, but I, I watched like Money in the Bank, the the punk Cena mm. match. That is amazing. Um, so I do, I do appreciate, I do appreciate uh, punk's sort of contribute uh, contribution to obviously wrestling at that time. But the whole sort of thing of just shouting CM Punk because you don't like something, just it's. I don't know. I just think sometimes it's. It can be a bit disrespectful to the to the wrestlers in the ring because mm. sometimes if they're doing if they're doing a storyline that they know isn't great, it's not it's not necessarily their choice of the story. But again, it's like there are there are very good athletes in in the rest in wrestling, especially in WWE, for example. And it just I I feel like if you really want to support them or back those sort of athletes, you just shout in CM Punk, who at that time, well, I think twenty. I came in just that he had left. Well, it's just kind of, all right. It's like, it, 
it's like I'm, I'm not sure what they're expecting to happen in in a way. I mean, like yeah, the wrestling crowds are entitled to 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 do what they want, but it just sometimes I just find that just a bit. I find that just a bit kind of mean spirited, I guess. I suppose, and and also yeah. and also one of the other one is what it's like. I appreciate Austin made that famous, and yeah, at the time it was great. But sometimes just the what side of things is just, it's like good, good little nice catchphrases just taken to, to the, to the nth degree. And they are just, it's kind of like they're butchered to all high hell by just overuse by the crowd. And that's just me. And don't get me wrong. Both, I mean, the, the chants are there for, for good reasons and, and the crowds can use those chants, but they're I, not, they're I, not, I, my, they're I, not I my favorite. I agree with yeah. you. The, the the what thing in particular, it's like, what's the way to put this? The what Ain't chant you? was a, was a great thing, and the fact that that yeah. single word has basically polluted wrestling for the better part of like a decade and a half now. I think it is. When did it, when was it first used? Two thousand two. In fact, maybe during the invasion, two thousand one. So I think it was definitely a, during the the Austin Hill run. So it's a twenty years ago then, basically. Yeah. Oh god, that's, oh that's that's horrifying to think about. But anyway, um. <laughs> But the, the what chant, I think it, it still can be used in a good way, but it's when mm. people are clearly doing it just to, to try and put people off. Because I come it's, from like an acting and musical theatre background as well. Yeah. So for me, it just comes across as effectively heckling, mm. which people should can do to a degree, but, but it's, it, that, that, that's the way I feel about it. I mean, if, you, I mean, if you're kind of doing it against a, a, a bona fide heel and the crowd love to wind the heel up, great, fine perfect do it mm. but it's like i've seen it used before when uh wrestlers who are not necessarily too confident on the mic or they haven't got the best promos out there or are not or basically sometimes english might not be their first language as well and just because they are they are trying their hardest to to perform on a mic and the crowd instead of trying to be supportive or try and go along with it are just shouting what after every sentence is mm -hmm. again it's like you said it just it, it feels like heckling but it also just feels like it's like no, we're not going to support you, and then, but then, but then the irony is, well, if that wrestler ever got released, people go, oh, but they were brilliant. It's like, yeah, but you bloody heckled them. <laughs> it's like what you 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 wanted to derail their momentum by shouting what? Yeah. So, uh, so, so the, the chant I'm gonna say, all I will ask before people judge me and hate me forevermore is, let me explain. <laughs> give me at least twenty. <laughs> give me at least it's twenty like seconds. Explain first and then say what the chant is. <laughs> yeah, so with this chant, it's something that... that so it is a sign of appreciation. Mm. And I think the chants that show appreciation should never go away. Mm -hmm. But I think there is a time and a place when certain chants should be utilised and perhaps should be thought of in a more... Eh, eh, what's the way to put this? People will jump on a bandwagon when something is chanted, but I think some people, mm. it's the equivalent of reading the room. I'll put it that way. And there are lots of times right. when I have been at a show or I'm watching something where this chant has started and I'm, it actually takes me out of the moment okay. because there is a point, not necessarily where I don't think it has reached this point, but it's at a point where I feel like you could do this later or do it at the end, like show appreciation for the entire thing. Yeah. And this chant I'm talking about is, this is awesome. There are so many moments, I think, where that chant has just been overused. I mean, there was a point in TNA yeah. Impact where someone chanted it after 20 seconds, and it's like, dude, let them do a move. 
<laughs> no, I no, I I I think that's I think that's a very fair that's a very fair observation because half the time it's like even even with the current modern day Thunderdome era that we're currently going through at WWE, it's like most matches get the this is awesome thing. And it's like, yeah, they're all right, but they're not like legend is like they're, they're not going to they're not going to like my god this is the greatest wrestling match ever that's exactly what i'm talking about literally yeah hmm. i think yeah, it's it, it, yeah you know, just, sorry just i appreciate that might just be grumpy jeremy or something coming out but that's just something i have felt and it's partly i mean this isn't a knock on the people who were going to TNA Impact because I've, I've been to some tapings at the, at the old Impact Zone in Orlando as well. So I, it's a fun environment to be in. But I literally remember on one Impact, like a minute into the match, people started chanting, this is awesome. And I just, one of the few times I went, dude, come on. Like, mm. let them do something. I appreciate you, you're enjoying it. Are you really? But come on, you know. It's, <laughs> there's, there's a degree of read the room. That, that's more what I mean about it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I no, I I get where you're coming from, and no, I don't, I don't think that's a, I don't think it's a, it's a, it, I don't think your I don't think your your view on it is is wrong. I think yeah, it's like use it use it at the right time, and sometimes with wrestling, uh, even when the crowd noises are being manipulated as well. Yeah, this is awesome. Can get easily overused. Yeah. it's like uh, here's a good way to sum it up i'm not saying for example put it into the equivalent of room 101 i'm saying okay. put it i'm saying put it in the waiting room okay <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're not you're not in trouble yet but hold hold your horses son <laughs> exactly exactly right ian pick another number between one and 33 five number five. Oh wow what is the worst debut of a wrestler in our opinion <laughs> oh i mean it's like oh. i i saw this on the on the sheet of questions and i i generally was drawing a blank because it's like okay there's some very there's very infamous ones there i mean obviously you've got gobbledygooker from survivor series and the giant egg um but then it's like i'm kind of i'm, I'm kind of again it's like trying to figure out a good bad debut and I, and I can't think of anything worse recently than retribution fair. Yeah, very <laughs> fair. it's like it's like you got this you got this band of wrestling anarchists that just want to cause chaos it's like we don't we don't follow the rules we're gonna turn up we're gonna chainsaw the ropes and all that sort of stuff and then two two episodes later michael cole shouts they've signed to raw it's like <laughs> so what they're just gonna stay yeah it, it, oh. Yeah, it's been well documented. Uh, Retribution was a clusterfuck of an of an organization of a stable over the last uh, less than twelve months. They're not even a stable anymore. They're gone. They're done. (laughs) (laughs) But but, ah, it's like on paper, it's a great idea. Mm. It's a it's a cool idea. Kind of harkens back to like some of that Atudira stuff. But it just it oh god. No, I hear you on that. I hear you. So. I'm going to go back to, don't ask me why I'm pulling this out from somewhere, but it's just come to mind. All right. Let's go back to 2001. All right. The Invasion. Ah, now, yes. There's a lot of things I could pick from The Invasion, but the first one that's come to mind is how Diamond Dallas Page was debuted as a stalker yes. of The Undertaker's wife. Yep, yep. 
being an yeah. avid WCW fan, I mean, look, I was so much of a WCW fan that on various forums and various circles on the internet for a good few years into like the mid to late 2000s, my username was WCW forever. <laughs> that literally, I'm not that. that, that that's ah, you're, yeah, you're picture, you're picture allegiance. You're picture allegiance. Exactly right. right? Exactly. So, <laughs> from someone who avidly watched WCW and really liked Diamond Dallas Page's work, and still like the guy to this day, given your DDP yeah. Ogram one, and how that's changed my life. That's a debate yeah. for another day. Mm. But just him going from being the people's champion to a stalker. Oh just, yeah, just nah. yeah, stalk it, stalking Taker's wife at the time. Uh, yeah, Sarah, Sarah or Sarah, then yeah, Sarah was her name. Yeah. But no, I no, I no, it's like, yeah, it, it just doesn't make sense. It's like, even when you're looking back at when I was like doing a lot of the documentaries when I started watching the network and watching things like the Monday Night War side of things and how Diamond Dallas Page was this beloved people's champion mm -hmm. of, of, of that of that brand, and it's just, yeah, it makes no sense why he turns up going, I really like Taker's wife. Mm. And just it's just that close, it's like that close up, it's that close up where he takes it off and he's just standing there going, mm, It's me, it's me, it's DEP. Uh, that's, that's the thing as well. The, the easiest thing they could have done, yeah, if they would be willing to actually try and think of something better with the invasion, was people's champion be people's champion, rock mm. v DDP. Now, I now to counterpoint my own counterpoint. Which is a weird thing to say in itself. Recounter, uh, you've recounted yourself. Exactly, because I remember in I remember in school and college and stuff, there were some people who were big wrestling fans who did mm. not know what WCW was. So when that okay. episode, because they just they never had access to Cartoon Network, TNT, or whatever, they could get yeah. hold. They could get hold of WWF for whatever reason. Probably yeah. partly because it was on Channel Four at that point as well, to a degree. Mm. But there was a point where WCW guys came in, and some of my friends didn't care. Because they're like, who are these guys? I don't mm. know who they are. And like, even like the whole episode that the final Nitro simulcast episode of Raw, they literally had no idea why this was so significant. Because most of the time, contrary to what WCW would do sometimes, Raw never mentioned Nitro. Or very, mm. very rarely and kind of, you know, maybe a bit subtly mentioned yeah. the competition at times. So to them, it, it just it didn't make sense, really. So there was this element where... I can understand why the idea of people's champion v people's champion would not fly because some mm. people wouldn't care about it, but you could make people care about it. It wouldn't be that difficult. But yeah, so there you go. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think, I think for the wrestling fan, when like the invasion and the purchase of WCW happened, everyone's going, Oh, great. We're going to see Hogan Goldberg, all that sort of stuff over there. And it just, I think not many people were aware at the time the the, the silliness of contracts and and all that stuff going mm. on. So it's kind of like it's kind of like you have your dreams and it just never, 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 never lived up to those expectations. Really, it's yeah. like it's it's kind of, it's kind of funny when you, when you look at things like uh, pop culture, popular media today, in terms of like how when every Marvel thing comes out, you're kind of going, oh, it's going to be great because I bet this person's going to turn up and this person's going to do that. And we're going to have the first ever look at this person from Fantastic Four. Even though they haven't cast a Fantastic Four yet, we're going to see this person from Fantastic Four. And then when it doesn't happen, you say, well, well, it's like this, this, this failed my expectations. It's like, this was never going to meet your expectations. Exactly. Anyway, yeah, it, it's, yeah. It's like when people just expect WrestleMania to be 
every single match is going to be five stars. It's like, yeah. no, it's never that. No, no disrespect yeah. intended, but it's yeah. just that thing of, realistically speaking, there is no show that every match is going to be five stars. That yeah. is just being realistic because logic dictates you need to build up. I remember, this is a random tangent, but sod it, go for it. There was a shoot interview that CM Punk and Samoa Joe did for Ring of Honor as part of their straight shooting DVD series many years ago at this point. Yeah. And they were talking about how ROH had developed since its first show. And Joe and Punk talked about how there was more of a structure. Because when Ring of Honor debuted, it was effectively like a super independent or super indie, if you will, because... ECW had gone at that point. So it was mm. RF Video who owned them at the time or in the early stages. They needed like a replacement for ECW and their subscription videotape stuff. Yeah. And so they developed Ring of Honor effectively to be like a super indie that would have names you recognize, but also show you the best indie talent out there. A super card, if you will, where every match was basically everyone trying to top each other and yeah. put everything out there. But there mm. comes a point where you need a structure to build up through a show so that you can mm. get people hyped for a main event and not necessarily overshadow it. Sometimes something can happen and a match earlier far exceeds expectations or just wipes the floor with everything else or because you mm. need to have the world title match go on last because it's tradition, WrestleMania 18, it doesn't necessarily mm. flow as well, for example. Yeah. Or it's just at that point, you can't match it because when you've just seen The Rock and Hogan, you know, and yeah. then you follow it up, you follow it up with a world title match, which how do you come back from that? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a really good example. I mean, Rock Hogan was just, I mean, the match itself is very basic, but hmm. it, it was, it was the moment. It was the crowd. It was like just small moments. It's just like that lengthy stare off between Hogan and Rock just at the start hmm. of the match. And you're just hearing the crowd getting louder and louder. It's like, it's like, how can you top that? How can you top that on a, on a, after an event, like after a match like that, and you've got, the undisputed championship between Jericho and Triple H, both great wrestlers, but they weren't capturing the magic like Rock and Hogan. Yeah, that there is like I'm. It's a debate I've had sometimes with a few people, including like on old shows and stuff, mm. where it's like, should the world title match always go on last? And in general, I'm of the mindset that the world title should be the most important thing that everyone yeah. is aiming for. To me, that's like, if you're not aiming for it, why are you even in this, like involved in the sport and whatnot? But I think there is also a time where logic dictates if there is some, like, for example, why would you put an unsanctioned match on during a show? Yeah, You would make it be the yeah. last thing. Because at yeah. that point, it's like, right, you know, it was like, what was it? One of the recent AEW pay per views. That was like a lights out match thing. In fact, it was yeah. probably the it was probably the exploding barbed wire death match thing. It's like right. No, the, no, that no, that was actually that was a sanctioned match. The I think the first Moxley Omega match at Full Gear was lights out. Thank you. Yeah, that was the one, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And it was just that thing of like, right, you know, now the show has like ended, and now we're getting like it all an, finished. Yeah, literally, like you know, the show has effectively <laughs> ended. So now you're you're getting like something else, but this doesn't go in the record books and whatnot. I think that is all right. I have no issue with that whatsoever. But the world like title that. should be yeah. the thing people aim for. Yeah, I, I like, especially with unsanctioned matches, I like that sort of edge to it of basically say, right, whatever happens now is going to happen. Deal with it. We've got a ref. Their goal is to simply count or acknowledge a tap out. That's it. Good luck, everyone. We're all going to need it. <laughs> that sort of way. <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like, 
most times, yeah, the, the world title should be in the last ring on the card. But I think sometimes when storytelling calls for it, yeah, you may need to shift it around a little bit. Um, and yeah, and, and probably, and probably Rock Hogan was probably one of those events where, yeah, maybe it could have been, could have been the finale and yeah, I've got an even bigger reaction than it did. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can understand why fans are, can get upset that certain titles get open up first. It's like the, it's like with uh, Royal Rumble at the start of this year, we opened up with McIntyre versus Goldberg and it's like, well, a, it's a hot start. It, it's not going to necessarily be a hot start. It's just going to be a five-minute quick power match, and then we're going to carry on. And then it gets dovetailed by, I think it was Reigns Owens uh, last man standing at that stage. Um, oh, where Reigns got handcuffed and couldn't get out. Yes, yes. And Kevin Owens got run over by a golf buggy. There you go. <laughs> yes. yes. You see, it's, it's, interesting, it's interesting you mentioned Rumble. I'm sorry to cut you off, because I think that's an example where the actual event dictated that a match had to be moved somewhere because mm. when you've got two 60 minute plus rumble matches to get through there mm. comes a point where you can't really have the world title match on last because the royal rumble yeah. is the main theme of the show mm. so in that instance i don't mind if it goes on the first but obviously as soon as you've got two world titles it just it, it confuses things it's like oh i mean i don't want to mention his name because you know reasons but alberto del rio like the year mm. he won the rumble yeah. And he went to face Edge at Mania, which I think, if I remember correctly, I think Edge retired the next night, funnily enough. Yeah, but like, that, but that match yeah. when that match was first on the card, mm. and I remember at the time there were people who were like, "Why is the Rumble winner on first? It's meant to be the main event." And some so, people yeah. argued, "Well, it's still one of the main events." It's like, no, main event means you're on last. Last, yeah. No, they. I mean, they did it with WrestleMania 35 in New York. It's like it was Brock Brock Rollins. And Rollins won the Rumble that year. So, but there was kind of like a big, but I kind of like the way they spinned it of Brock going, no, no, I'm either going on first or I'm going on last. I'm not waiting to, I'm not pussyfooting around in the middle. That's how, how Heyman was. I was there. Me. I've just remembered that I was there. Yeah, that's the one you were at. The reason I was like looking really weird, I'm thinking 35, we've just had 37. What happened at 36? Oh, it was yeah. empty. 35. Yeah, yeah, I was there. <laughs> that, was my, that was my thought process. Yeah, and do you know what? I can tell you for a fact as well, in the stadium, I mean, I was up like upper tier, like in the lower yeah. lower part of the upper tier. But when that happened and it's like, nope, this is happening right now, we were hyped in that stadium. Yeah. It's like, oh, what, what? Now? Sure, let's do it. Come on. <laughs> All right, fine. Let's start it off. And then obviously within about 15 minutes, Rollins gets his belt. It's... <laughs> It's a good the, match. The end. I, I, I like I like that match. It was a good. It's a good little match, and I think I think I remember even watching it like non-sport because I watched it like the day after the after the event and mm. not knowing how it started. It's like, oh yeah, we're going to start with the universal title. It's like, all right, <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> in a I'll way, tell, so, I'll yeah. tell you what, that that was a long day in that stadium. Yeah, like legit. I got there for like the kickoff stuff as well because I thought this might be the only. I mean, ironically now, given how what happened to the world, but this might be the only WrestleMania I go to, so I'm going to make the most of it. Ah, <laughs> uh, good old two-hour kickoff. Uh, so, actually, so here is a story from that show for you. The uh, main event was the three-way women's match. Mm -hmm. I didn't see it, not because I didn't want to, because, and I'm not sure if, if you're aware of this. Maybe some people watching here and this will be aware, mm. but locally the show was was advertised to be done by 10 p.m mm. because 
quite frankly, the New Jersey transit system, because it's not actually in New York, it's in New Jersey. That's a debate yeah. for another day. But the New Jersey transit system made it known publicly. We've been told the show is finishing at 10. All public transport will finish at midnight. The main events, the main events bell to start the match happened at about 10 to 12. Like, look, I, I vividly remember this. So I was there yeah. with a buddy and I said to him, I want to hear Joan Jett perform Bad Reputation and Ronda comes out. Like, I want to mm. see the entrances. Then we will skedaddle and somehow get down from the upper tier to the bottom of the stadium to the train station. We mm. did it. And literally, I was standing in the train by the door. I heard the match finish and I have never seen so many people running down a staircase from an upper tier. <laughs> <laughs> literally i'm not even joking there were so many people and i and then as soon as that started happening doors closed oh and no we went. <laughs> and then the other the other bad part of that story which i thankfully didn't have to contend with there was a torrential rainstorm for the next three and a half hours there oh, were yeah. no there were no ubers or taxis at the stadium because everyone thought it was finishing at 10 p.m <laughs> Yeah, I was, so about, I was just about to ask that. I was just about to ask that. It's like, so basically that meant no no actual public transport, no taxi. So nothing. Wow. I mean that, it was I a mean, it was a cluster. I mean for I mean I I can't really imagine that being a thing for a UK event. For, not not generally just a wrestling event, but just say an event in general. Because there's yeah. always there's always like the late night taxis. Yes, you get a bit more expensive, but yeah, it's yeah, it's really weird. Yeah, because the thing <laughs> to remember as well is like it's a Sunday night, and mm. so there's the idea. But I think if I I don't remember the entire aftermath of it, but it was something like that. If if they if the New Jersey transit system were going to keep the trains open for longer, WWE would need to pay the overtime cost. But because they had never actually said to them the show was going to run long, they just actually assumed, okay, cool, we'll finish at midnight as normal. Because if they weren't told, it was going to probably. If they weren't told, because <laughs> if, if they weren't told, because you know people don't know, it's like an eight-hour show, pretty mm. much. Then you know they don't know. But the dumb thing is, I remember going. I was on the train station going to the stadium, mm. and I, of course, because everyone from around the world travels there, I naturally found a group of British fans because that's just what you do. And I was talking. Did. I was talking to them, and I said to them, "Oh, by the way, like, are you aware, like, this show's probably going on till like midnight, but the trains are going to finish at like half eleven, twelve o'clock?" And they literally didn't believe me. <laughs> and I said to them, "Look, I'm honestly not joking here. I am leaving. If the if that main event is not on by ten to twelve, I am leaving. I am pelting it out the stadium." And like, just told you what happened. So I've got no idea if they actually got caught in the storm or not, or whatever, or what happened. But literally, no. Unless you knew and you were on the internet and you had heard scuttlebutt about it, you would mm. not know there was going to be no trains, no nothing. Uh, on that note, pick a number. <laughs> <laughs> it's like now we've talked about the transport system. Pick a number. Um, let's go. Twenty-four. 24, a good WrestleMania number. Actually, you know what? I like this question as well. Good job, past Jeremy. <laughs> most most impactful entrance theme music. Oh. I mean, I feel like there's 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 clearly one here. 
I think. Go, go on. And it's got, and I and I feel like it's got to be Taker's music. Okay. And and it's simply it's just like, it's like I think there's no other theme or it's like even entrance that kind of commands everyone's attention for just for that amount of time it takes Undertaker to get to the ring. But it's I mean, just, look, mate. Let's be fair. Limp Biscuits rolling would do that. You know, when he's coming out on the motorbike, <laughs> American badass. <laughs> No, no, there was Roland. There was American Badass from Kid uh, Rock as well. It's like you know. No, no, no. Uh, cl- classic Taker. Classic Taker. So, uh, <laughs> I well, I'm clearly going sorry. for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, in WrestleMania right. Nine, he kept Roland technically, but that's a debate for another day. Yeah, true. Um, but no, it's like I, I feel like the Undertaker's theme is is just so iconic and just and it's very and like I said, it's just like the moment you hear the gong go, the lights go out, you you know what's about to happen it's a moment that i think very few wrestling oh i mean quite a good portion of wrestling fans have been able to experience and i and i count myself as very very lucky to be able to see that because i think the first time i went to a proper wwe show i went to a taping of raw uh it was 20 it was late 2015 it was taker versus wyatt uh, it was basically the fam- the wyatt family versus uh, brothers of destruction and it was kind of like, I don't think we were, I don't think anyone was, I was like, I kind of thought, oh, it's like, it's a show in England. You're not going to see The Undertaker in a, in a way. And the last moment where, the last bit where it's just a, just a ring punch fall between the White family and the Brothers of Destruction and the dong just went off. I think I just, I think I remember because I was with there with Christian. I think we both literally lost our minds mm-hmm. because I, because after so long and just as a fan or just knowing, knowing that character for so long, just, for the third, just for perhaps maybe the only time you may see this person in the flesh in a ring, even though we were kind of we were kind of halfway up the stairs in the Manchester Arena, we were kind of we were way away from the ring. But it's just that moment of he's actually in the building. Shit, this mm. is going to be awesome. Um, no, I just I, I just can't think of any I just can't think of any other impactful themes other than uh, Taker really. I mean, I mean, yeah, you've got the iconic ones like Austin and, and Rock and all that sort of stuff. But I think, again, I think maybe, maybe I, maybe I lean towards Taker a bit more because obviously that's that's a that's an interesting thing I've been able to experience in real in person at an event. Um, so yeah, I can I can imagine there are different there there are different answers out there. I think I think it's more. I guess it's probably more to do with that personal connection, possibly. Yeah, 100%. I think it's also how you regard impactful, because you could say mm. impactful of, if you hear the start of it, like, you know, I mean, you mentioned Austin there, the glass breaking. Yeah, like, when that glass breaks, you instantly know what that means. It's yeah. like something like that. I mean, the one that I will probably go with, just because it's, I probably think I quoted it at the start of the show, but Edge's theme. Yeah. There is just something that when you hear that, you think you know me, and it kicks yeah. into the Alter Bridge song, just the way that, that the way it's edited I mean- together and stuff. It's so good. Yeah, and I mean, it's like even with WrestleMania this year with Edge in the main event against Reigns and, and Brian, it's like the moments like it's a, it's it's like a it was it's like a amazing atmosphere when that song goes off, especially when it was in front of a crowd for, for the first time in a long time, mm. and you could just see Edge just really excited about it, just running up and down the stage, just real full of adrenaline. And then obviously it's the things like that and the fireworks going off. It's like it's it. Yeah, the, it's a great. That's a great song as well. I think that's a great entrance theme. Hmm. I mean, in, ter- I mean, in terms of other impacts, though, I'm just trying to think. Um, sorry, ca- 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 how would you define impact? As in, like a personal impact or like an atmosphere changing impact? I would or... say the latter. I mean, because 
Because okay. at that, that point, if it's a per, if it's a personal thing, that's kind of almost like what's your favorite theme. But impactful, I think, is like it changes the mood of the situation. I like you mentioned, like... the Undertaker's gong going off like that. When that gong goes off, it's like the equivalent of people going, "Oh man!" Well, it's, well, it's like one of the one of the things like around uh, 2014, 2014, 2015 sort of areas. Um, again, even though it wasn't particularly, they probably weren't really booked well at the time. Wyatt family. The moment you just see Bray on the screen, just going, "We're here." And then everyone just takes out the mobile phones to create the little fireflies effect. Mm-hmm. That's kind of that's that's kind of cool. And being, and being an in the audience, yeah, and being in the audience for a couple of those, it's kind of like, oh yeah, this is this is quite cool. This is fine. Um, but oh yeah, I can see, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a good way of looking at impactful. Mm. In a way, it's just the thing that really just changes the atmosphere. I mean, yeah, I think there's not there's not many other ones I can I can think of. Well. As Walter when he was in NXT UK, mm-hmm. and I, I remember being in the audience during uh, Takeover Blackpool One. Yeah, it's the first Takeover in Blackpool because they had the UK Championship tournament, and then this was the first one. And he debuted in the in just after the main event, and it was mm-hmm. just like the da dun da dun, and it's like mm-hmm. what? And then it's just it's looking jaws coming to get you. Yeah, and then just <laughs> looking to the stage, and you just see this imposing Austrian standing in a, in army gears like oh shit <laughs> yeah literally literally yeah. That, that, see you summed it up right there impactful is what gives you the equivalent of that mm. oh shit moment that's basically mm. what it is yeah there you go so p- pick another number now between oh. 1 and 33 i have let's go 20 20 which of the big four means more to you royal rumble wrestlemania SummerSlam, survivor series rumble and i and, and i think rum simply because rumble's like one of my favorite specialty matches i think it's like most people most fans like major specialty matches because of that sort of atmosphere of anything can happen Obviously, the stakes mm-hmm. are big. You get to go to WrestleMania in the main event, and usually, most most times, it is a way to kind of say this is going to be a big guy. This is this guy's year to be a star, and so forth. And yeah, sometimes it's not necessarily panned out well. Um, I mean, the last couple of years, uh, Edge to this year, McIntyre last year, so so on Rollins. This guy, yeah, take it or leave it. Um, who won it? Who won it before, the year before Rollins? That was oh Nakamura. Nakamura was yeah. a good. Yeah, Nakamura was a good moment. Um, and then yeah, before, that was the year where it was both Oscar and and Nakamura, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, both of them in like big main events. Um, and then yeah, it's like you go a little bit further back before Nakamura. It was Orton. It was like, mm. but then again, Orton was the one who eliminated Roman Reigns. And I think at that stage we were all at anyone but Reigns. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was that mindset. It was like, please not Reigns. Yay, you win. That's fine. Oh, I still. I still remember that moment where one of the rumbles where Reigns won. I can't remember how many he's won, yeah, but then like the when the Rock the when, when the Rock came out to endorse him and the fan yeah, just boo and the, the Rock's face <laughs> priceless. It's but, like, are you saying boo or yay? No, they're are saying you, boo. Are you booing me, me? or him? him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I do agree with you, Rumble. And it's the way I always look at it is WrestleMania is is the is the finale of the year. Like the WWE calendar is effectively the raw after WrestleMania through to WrestleMania. 
Mm. That that is the way it works out when you think of like a year long cycle, and the rumble is the start of like that that final leg, if you mm. will. It's like that's the start of like we're building up to the crescendo, the cliffhanger here. This is what everything. This is where it. Not to coin a phrase from WrestleMania twenty, but it's where it all begins again, again. basically, <laughs> literally. Good tagline, I guess. But um, but yeah, I agree with you on Rumble, and also just because Rumble is also something very different. And I know there's always this thing of, oh, it only happens once a year. It's like, well, yeah, a lot of stuff can only happen yeah. once a year, but it's the way it's only once a year because it is yeah. so vastly different. Yeah, because you have all the you have all these different types of battle royales. I mean, AEW have their casino battle royale, which is kind of like a Royal Rumble, just in groups, which is all right. But there's there's some there's just something so so just so simplistic and beautiful about just that. 30 men, one every 90 seconds or two minutes over the top rope, both feet touch the ground. And the audience obviously getting psyched for it with this count with the buzzer going off for the 10, 9, 8, all that sort of stuff. And even when you have the returns and the debuts, it's like obviously Edge, uh, year before, uh, year before this year, 2020, uh, coming back was amazing. Um, even, even as like the, the debut of AJ Styles in 2016, mm-hmm. which was quite, quite amazing. Obviously, if you knew who he was. And I mean, at that time, I kind of had an idea who he was. It was like, ah, oh, he actually is here. Cool. But then obviously, WWE production team decided to focus on Ranger's perplexed face for five seconds. It's like, who is this person? Now that's Roman Reigns. Yeah. <laughs> they, had to, they had to re-upload the clip. Yeah, I mean, it, it, happened, it happened with Edge. Like, I remember when he came yeah. back at that rumble you just mentioned, and they yeah. missed the first spear. Yeah. And it was like, the internet was on, the, at that point, the internet was on fire. Like, yeah, it's it, like it, it had gone from being jubilation to fire in the space of like a minute. It was quite impressive. <laughs> uh, uh, so pick another number, Ian. Just first thing that comes into your mind, go. 10. Number 10. Here we go. Best wrestling event we've attended. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've, been, I've been to a lot of wrestling shows. You've been to a lot. I've been to a small. I've been to a small number. Um, I would probably say the most memorable one is probably the UK Championship tournament back mm. in twenty seventeen. Blackpool, right? Blackpool. Yeah, it was a two night event. Uh, Michael Cole's finest commentary performance. Yes, where Michael Cole was allowed to do what he wanted to do all these years, <laughs> years, and um, yeah, basically was was WWE audience, uh, Universe's introduction to Tyler Bate, Pete Dunne, all that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, I saw it was it was a, it was a getaway for myself and my girlfriend at the time. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was it was a nice audience. There was a nice buzz about it. Um, it was just. Just it was just the nice, even the ballroom setting, the nice sort of intimate kind of setting of the event as well, and just it was like, yes, this is British wrestling, a little bit of a WWE kind of uh, taster, and you had such you had some really fun matches. I mean, definitely on the second night, like the the finals night, you had uh, an impromptu match between Neville now Pack and uh, a certain Tommy End as well, who has just suddenly reappeared on the independent scene <laughs> go figure no way go 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 figure go figure <laughs> but no i it's like the the i mean and even just crowd really get into things like tyler bates sort of waving to the camera just saying give us a wave tyler there we go wolf <laughs> uh wolfgang even trent seven with his sort of towel and kind of like it's like real sort of it's like it was bizarre kind of like it's like it's just kind of like 
attractive alertness. No, it's just me in a towel. We oui. <laughs> ring, but but no, there was it was just that was like a nice combination. It was two nights of entertaining wrestling. Um, I actually, um, I actually kind of we had um, we on the first night we had like a, a meet and greet which we met Finn Balor as well, which nice. was quite cool. So, uh, yeah, and Balor signed some, some stuff. Um, so there was Balor, uh, yeah, it's like it, it was just a really nice event all around. And I think it's the first time that I was at an event where the cameras literally did pick me up quite clearly. And every so often, oh, yes, they did. <laughs> oh, yes, they did. Oh, yes, they did. I'm on the WWE network for $9.99. <laughs> <laughs> right, there's a there's a couple of times not not a sponsor not a sponsor no not a, not a proper endorsement but if you're if you're if you're keen to try and find me i am in that crowd i am in that crowd especially on the first night because we were set my myself and my girlfriend was second row from the like the front of the ring and then the second night we were in the main sort of hard cam audience just slightly mm-hmm. a bit further back but there is i think if you look at one of the recap audiences uh, recaps and it's all about bait getting to the final like through through adversity and stuff like that there was a shot of me quite very clearly pumping my fist in the air just just having a whale of a time and yeah yeah um no the funny funny thing about that that first evening was we were sat behind um we were sat behind a father and some kids who were clearly mistaken of who they thought they were going to see there because they had kids dressed up like Cena and stuff like that, and the and there's like the kids and the dad just didn't give two, uh, two, uh, two, two monkeys, uh, two, two, two monkeys about what's going on. I was trying not to uber swear there, and <laughs> they just they just didn't care about what was going on. Um, I guess that's what that's, that's like a pet peeve. I guess it's like you, you're there, you're there to watch the wrestling, you're there to enjoy enjoy the show, and you're there either a just looking at your phone or as we have both experienced seeing a show together talking about how much money you've made at work today and it's like yeah. really really you, you've wasted nearly what 70 odd quid for tickets to get here and all you can talk about is oh yeah i did all the, I, I made lots of money and now my porsche w- runs like great i, I can't do a proper London accent i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> i'm trying to recreate the annoyance i'm trying to recreate the annoyance uh, Ian, you'll never recreate that. that to, to give context <laughs> to people, it was it was a raw taping because we were doing Raw yeah. and SmackDown, and yeah. it was basically we had a group of guys behind us. It, it's if you can imagine, this is kind of for anything like a concert, yeah. a theatre performance, anything. It's the definition of four friends out for a good time. One of them gets a bit too drunk, mm. and then another one progressively gets a bit too drunk. And quite frankly, they just turn into utter dicks. And then their friends don't really do anything about it. And ultimately, those people basically just ruin your enjoyment. But yeah. I just, you just stick with it. Try and have try and have a good laugh. But then the good, the, the nice part of the story is we never saw them again. One of them fell down the stairs trying to climb up them. And we had a good time at SmackDown the next night. Yes, yes, we did. We, oh. we got to see promotional build for Dolph Ziggler v Shinsuke Nakamura at a pay-per-view. Only yes. to later that night in the dark match. Z Shinsuke Nakamura v Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> oh, I can't remember what else is. No, they were building towards the um, the House of Horrors match at Payback, weren't they? I don't even remember uh, what pay per view it was at that point. Uh, I remember we yeah, got like a, we got like a six man tag match that featured both AJ Styles and Baron Corbin. I seem to remember. Oh no, this is this is the this is the one where I think it's 
I think it's part of it was when it was Jericho and Owens little the start of their run together and I think it's the one where I think it's Jericho kind of jumps into Owens's arms at the end saying we've won <laughs> in that sort of way so I think yeah I can't remember much of Smackdown I really can't I think we had, we had really good seats though we were kind of oh, in yeah. like upper tier front row kind of if yeah. you imagine like diagonal to one of the ring posts so it was oh, almost yeah. like an ecw 1999 camera angle just a yeah. higher view it was really cool yeah, yeah. i mean I, I like i like the kind of side side of things for for the o2 or stuff like that if you get really high up in the o2 that's when you go oh no if i fall i'm going to be falling forever <laughs> well that's the thing there's high up in the o2 and there's right up at the o2 uh, there's yeah it's it basically were. sheer vertical drop if you just yeah. so much as go the wrong way so it's kind of like <laughs> yeah. which for us being men of, of of exceedingly great height it is even yes. worse you know people especially, can't appreciate especially if you, yeah especially if you don't like heights either like myself is like oh no <laughs> oh no <laughs> and you're kind so of trying to try not to fall into bits like i don't want to knock anyone over or fall them or just push them off the balcony this would be terribly inconvenient so you're walking around looking like you're solid snake in metal gear solid because you're trying not to fall over yeah or something. <laughs> so i've been to, to so many wrestling shows like mm. be it independence wwe like wcw stuff mm. I, the one i'm gonna pick and it's partly because we were talking about my experience of wrestlemania a bit yeah. earlier but the night before that wrestlemania mm. madison square garden it was the roh new japan g1 supercard oh yes that show like to see a show at madison square garden alone was great but just that show was on another level also mm. i got to see the entire shenanigans involving enzo and kaz which was even <laughs> more amusing oh this is like the year after they'd both been kind of kicked out basically of yeah so yeah. Then they they just they, they turned up and did their thing and mm. it was that wonderful thing that where i was i was like sort of again lower upper tier of the garden as it were or the upper section of the lower tier i should say yeah. and there was a point where there's like you got a ceiling above you and then they had like some tv screens hanging down so mm -hmm. we could see the broadcast and the fact that the commentators <laughs> didn't know what was going on even though we were watching it like down in front of us as well it mm. was really surreal but that double main event of kota Ibushi and Tetsuya Naito, followed by Jay White v. Okada, and Okada winning the IWGP title. I never thought I would see an IWGP <laughs> championship change. It was just one of those moments where it just it was it was just such a great mm. show. Just really, really good. And also, Marty Skull at the time did not win the ladder match to win the ROH title, which he really should have done because he was over as heck. But mm. that's a debate for another day. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I'm, I could probably say something else if I thought about it for longer and um, without being off the cuff. But that's the one that springs to mind, though. G One Supercard. I have, also I have. got to, also got to see both Great Muta and Jushin Thunder Liger in the same battle royal match. Awesome. So you know, quits in. <laughs> there you go. So Ian, pick another number. First okay. one that comes to mind. Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Okay, this is an interesting one. I, I, I'm surprised I wrote this, but I don't know why. Commentators that, for whatever reason, just don't agree with us. So what's a commentator that just, just gets on your wick? You don't know why. You don't really have a problem with them. But for whatever reason, you just don't... You just, you're just not a fan. It just it doesn't click. It doesn't gel. I mean, I, mean, I, I get for a period of time why JR and, and, and the King were a good double act, but... My God, the King grated on me at times. 
especially <laughs> during the puppies era. Mm. It was just it's just like every every kind of every time like a, a female superstar was there was it was all about just the king ogling her and it's like it's like I met because I was young at the time I didn't really think much about it but now now obviously how society and all that has moved on and become better because we've identified those sort of incorrect approaches to to describing people and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, it just it becomes incredibly problematic and just really creepy, really odd, <laughs> and it's like. Mm. But I mean, uh, so yeah, so it's. I guess it's tonally incorrect. Oh no, it's like yeah, tonally inappropriate. That's the right one. Tonally inappropriate. Yeah. Tonally inappropriate commentators. But I think one of the other, other types of commentators that that I don't necessarily deal with are commentators who who clearly just aren't aren't all there in terms of the wrestling know-how or kind of invested in it. And I think, I mean, using a recent, recent example, obviously we had, uh, um, I think it's Avnan Vic at Raw mm. who used to be on ESPN, um, got, got position of lead announcer to start the night after WrestleMania. Um, and yeah, it's like, it's a, it's a voice and an authority that just didn't really work. So uh, it just, it just sounds so kind of, so kind of, kind of like, when you want something like a big authoritative voice about being able to confidently say these words, say move names, and be able to reel off uh, characteristics about wrestler or, or so forth, it just it just didn't really gel. And it's like you can really tell the difference now, considering they've just brought in uh, Jimmy Smith, who does color commentary for like like mixed martial arts stuff. Because he's because then he's able to talk about the impacts of moves and so forth, mm -hmm. and be able to really sell the offense. So I think it's, I think that's kind of like my pet peeve with commentators a little bit. It's just, it's just you you kind of need to be knowledgeable, you kind of need to be invested, and you you kind of need to feel like you have an authoritative voice to it. I mean, you have you have especially wrestling, you'll always have like the the face commentator then you'll probably have the hill commentator that's just always on the side of the hills and so forth and that's perfectly fine that's perfectly fine you do that role well perfectly fine it's just when you clearly aren't convincing in it or you, you, you yeah. just can't convince because then that takes up because again it's like wrestling commentary to a point helps sell the stories it helps sells the offense and so forth and you can see it works so well when you have uh maro ronaldo uh, apologies if I butcher that name, um, especially when he's doing NXT, even doing Impact recently with uh, uh, Omega versus Swan mm. and just shouting the one-winged angel, like high pitch, even with Mamma Mia and stuff like that. Yes, it's a bit silly, but because the guy is so invested in it and so passionate about it and so and has the conviction to sell you that these moves are so fearsome and so so deadly, so dangerous and all that sort of stuff, you go with the commentary and you feel more invested in the wrestling match as a total, as a whole product. So yeah, that, that's why I am with, with commentators not clearly good with their roles. Yeah, I'm, I'm coming from a unique position here because I have done some commentary before. I did it for the WXW promotion, Westside Extreme Wrestling in Germany for, for a few years, sort of on and off as it were. Yeah, And it was one of those things where I, I was kind of very much a play-by-play -play guy and Alan Cunahan, mm. who was doing it with me as well, for various shows and, and such. Like he was also play-by-play. -play, so there was that mm. dynamic where having two play-by-play -play guys was a very interesting way of doing it. In hindsight, I wish I probably could have 
tried more color, but it was also part of me where, quite frankly, if you've got to do color, it also, I feel like you can be a color commentator better if you've actually done wrestling. Yeah. Because the idea of a color commentator in from my brain and my the way I'm wired is that they're speaking from experience. Mm. And so they can use that experience to kind of, you know, I say talk bad or, you know, put can put things across in a certain yeah. way. It's like when you watch football, for example, and you see someone like Gary Neville kind of adding a thing of like, why the heck did he do that? He should have just gone yeah. down there. He's actually talking from a place of experience. You know, mm. why did he think that? Why did he let his concentration lapse? Whereas yeah. I actually felt bad if I ever tried to do that <laughs> because I'm too, because <laughs> yeah, I'm, right. I'm, I'm too nice. But commentary, <laughs> but the way I, the, the way I always did play by play commentary, or the way I try to envisage it mm. is. I am I am almost being the voice of a fan who's watching it. Mm. That's the way I treat it, which is a really weird balance to get. Sometimes I'll readily admit I got it right. I'm very sure sometimes I probably got that balance wrong. And mm. when it comes to what you're saying and stuff, because it, it's an art, you know, there, there's yeah. a thing. Not everything's going to gel. But when it comes to commentators that just don't gel with me, I don't know. My brain is totally gone. That's not helpful at all. But it's, but so yeah, but I think what you were saying though, while I try and remember who I was going to say is someone who is, who is confident in what they're saying, or at mm. least come across with an air of confidence. It's like, I'm sure I've shouted some stuff on commentary as well before, but that's because especially when you're in a live crowd and you're there in the heat of the moment, you yeah. really want, you, you're just in the moment. And sometimes you just say things or shout things. You're like, why the heck did I say that? I don't care, but it's great kind of thing. So yeah, I honestly, the name's just gone, so I'm just going to butcher my own question now. Yeah, totally. I'm, that's not even me trying to cop out. I'm just trying to actually think of someone, but I can't. So there you go. If, if it comes yeah. back in my brain, I, I will uh, endeavor to remember it as soon as well, I can. Well, what you were saying about wrestlers, or basically people who have had experience of the sport or the actual profession, being able to talk about stuff, it does work. I mean, you look at Corey Graves. You look at when yeah. Samoa Joe had his stint on the WWE commentary. Even Daniel Bryan, when he was doing Cruiserweight Classic, Yep. And so forth. It's like, it's like they have a knowledge and they have they have an expertise that feels genuine. Hmm. So it's not just like them saying, "Oh yeah, he's just too powerful and that sort of way." Okay, actually, I've got a name, but I okay. want to, but I want to quantify this by saying, it's not that I don't it's not that I don't like them. It's just their style of commentary. There's always just been something about it where I'm just like, this isn't for me but I can make do, I'll put it this way. Like, I appreciate what they're doing, but it's just never gelled with me fully. Matt Stryker. That's the name I was thinking of. Yeah. I mean, he did a bit of NXT. Did he do a bit of NXT commentary? I think he did a bit of NXT. I think he's one of the current Impact lead announcers. He's done some New Japan stuff as well. Like he's yeah. been, been around the block, for want of a better phrase. Yeah. But there is something about it where he is coming from a position of knowing what he knows and also having been a wrestler as well. So he's very mm. much, the way he does his style, in my opinion... He's very much coming from a place of authority in that he knows yeah. what he's talking about. But to me, there's just something about the way he delivers his lines that, again, isn't bad. It's just mm. for me personally, it just it doesn't click. I don't know what it is. Sometimes he can have a great match. Other times, it just doesn't click with me. And that, that, that's, again, not me trying to cop out. It's just literally ones that don't gel, that's the one that doesn't gel. And that was the name I was trying to think of as well. Fair enough. So there we go. So, uh, Ian, I'll tell you what. L let's do one more. Okay. We've been so going for a little bit. This is like an episode zero type thing. Yeah. So, you know, we've, so we've, we've got plenty more questions for the future amongst whatever else we're going to talk about. What did I say? I said 27, didn't I? Last uh, time I said, yeah. Yes. 
Yes. So let's go for the one after that. Let's go for 28. 28. <laughs> what kind of question is this that I wrote down? First person that comes to mind when I say the next word you hear from me. All right. Texas. Steve Austin. There you go. Done. <laughs> this is too I, quick. This is too quick. We may need to check. I don't know why I wrote that question down. I mean, the first one I guess probably would have come to my mind would have been that or Shawn Michaels. Yeah. I don't know. Again, that, that was clearly a point where I wrote that at like 3 a.m. or something. Oh. Uh, good job, past Jeremy. Good job. All right, you know what? Um, pick another one at random. I was going to pick one, but you know what? No, you pick another one. No, no, no. You're, you're host. You get to. It's, it's your All right, show. I'm not. It's I'm not looking you at pick, the thing. You, you pick one last one. You pick the last one. Um, nine. What do we have? Okay, here we go. Uh, completely unintentional, but this will do. If we can do it, each of us top three favorite wrestlers. Hmm. It's now like, the way I, the way I'll quantify this is to, for us to actually pick a definitive top three is going to be really hard. But let's yep. just let's just pick three of our favorites. So it kind of probably sums up the kind of taste that we have. Okay, I probably I probably will go. I'd say my three. I'll definitely take a legend pick. I'll okay, so legend, some, okay, yeah. Let's put some conditions on this. So one legend is required. I'm going to write this down as I go along. So legend, a current wrestler who's active. One current so, active. Yep, current active. And I don't know what we do about the third one. <laughs> okay. Um. Oh, I'm, I was going to say something there. That's a little bit morbid. <laughs> I was going to say I was going to say a, a wrestler who's no longer with us because you said no. one current wrestler. I was thinking like one wrestler who's no longer with yeah, us. No, 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 no. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, it could be considered morbid, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, obviously. Again, they're technically, technically they have a le- if, if they're well remembered after their passing, they are a legend in itself. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. Well, so um, I'm happy. To I'll tell you that. what. You said a current wrestler, someone who's yep. retired. There you go. Yeah, retired, bona fide legend, active. I like that. I like that. Okay, there you go. We got there. Like so, that. all right. Well, let's pick. A, I'm going to pick a current active wrestler. So, okay. first thing that comes to mind, I'm going to say is Edge. Because technically now he's active. Otherwise, I yeah. would have called him retired. He ticks all three boxes. Oh, not literally. <laughs> there you go, right? <laughs> but yeah, like literally, I, I will definitely go with Edge. Not just because of like his wrestling ability, just everything mm. about him. Like the yeah. I remember there was a point, it uh, must have been around 0405-ish, maybe, mm. when he was having like the sort of the the he was in a relationship with Vicky Guerrero. But there was also a point where he's progressively every week on television was getting more scraggly looking. And it was kind of from an acting point of view. I always loved how really into it he was getting. It might have been when yeah. he was building up to the big Hell in a Cell match with Undertaker at SummerSlam. Yeah. yeah. Around that point. But Edge is someone that. who I think has really managed to adapt to the times, like with what's around him. And just he's always come across mm. as someone really credible, even from day one. So uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Edge as my current person. The current one. And it's only because I just really like the character, or I just I just like I just like the charisma on style, and it's it's Mox. Yeah, AEW. Fair. Um, I mean, I was a fan when he was it when he was Dean Ambrose in WWE. He was one of my favorites when I got back into WWE. 
Um, and I just watched him after leaving WWE and becoming mm. this sort of even um, it's like we have the unhinged lunatic fringe and then just kind of going to another level of just being this total badass turning mm. up in new Japan. Cause I watched some of the climax uh, tournament he was in, uh, in new Japan pro wrestling. It's like some of the, the early stuff I probably watched of new Japan pro wrestling. I don't watch it a lot, but I usually watch it when someone I know is involved in a match that I'm slightly intrigued about. Um, and just seeing him take part in climax and just having these stiff, brutal Mm -hmm. just like just clear punch punch of funds through audiences and stuff like that and then even as he moves over to uh, AEW and just he just feels like a a man unleashed which is basically he was Mm. he was tethered in WWE and now he's just unleashed and just fulfilling this sort of cool badass sort of anti-hero um anti-hero uh role even even teaming up even teaming up at the moment with Eddie Kingston it's such um, a it's good like, team. They're, they're so like, good on it's promos. Like, it's like it's like it's like it's like it's so natural. It's just it's just so effortlessly cool when they're just talking about stuff and just and just riffing off each other. It's just wonderful. And I would say out of all the, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are there are other characters in wrestling at the moment that I really really enjoy. I really like the Roman Reigns character, but mm. obviously we're in kind of like the first year, whereas Mox has had a couple of years to kind of. Mm. really get his teeth into to AEW yeah. and, and the world wrestling scene. So, yeah, for that would reason... You, would I, you like me to say something that may change your entire perception of how you watch John Moxley in the future? Go on. Now, this is... I very rarely think about this now, and you may you might not be able to un- unthink this when you've heard it, but every time he walks to the ring, he's got a bit of a swagger about him. You know, kind of, yeah, like the whole shoulder thing. Yeah. <laughs> All I can picture is that's how Vince McMahon imagines he walks. <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh, I, I, I see a bit of myself in the lad. He's like, no, literally, like, when walk, you, when you walk on my arms out. Literally. Arms. If you, if you look up a gif of like the McMahon strut and just imagine yeah. that's how he probably thinks he walks when looking at John Moxley. It, to me, it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, one of the, in terms of one of the other wrestlers at the moment that has a real good sort of movement and just have this strange sort of, alluring but intriguing body movement to theirs um is pentagon yeah pen- at the moment because the, way so he, good. because the way he just kind of he slinks in like just like like a, a lucha liberal panther mm-hmm. with the with the mask and he just he just kind of slinks up when he does the zero fear hand hand gesture and stuff like that it's just mm-hmm. it's just the way he moves it's just like it's like this is weird but I'm also oddly captivated by this man. Mm. Honestly, like if I'd have thought about this for longer than just doing off the cuff, I probably might have said like Kenny Omega or Ray Phoenix because mm. both of those, both of those, both of them yeah. are phenomenal, quite frankly. Mm. Like, I mean, Ray Phoenix, like if he is not AEW champion at some point or he is not holding an AEW championship within mm. the next year, I will be gobsmacked because I think actually, ironically, he's, he's injured now, which is a real shame, but... Yeah. But he is something special. If you've not seen it before, look up the singles match that he had with Nick Jackson. It would have been within the first three months of AEW Dynamite. They had a singles mm. match randomly, I think, on an episode of Dynamite. And it is one of the best things you will see. It's ridiculous. Mm. Mm. I know. But yeah, I, yeah, it's like, in terms of characters, I, I, I lean a bit more to, to some of the AEW kind of presentation a mm. little bit. Um, definitely I, I mean the thing is with wwe it's like there are some like i said there are some characters that work incredibly well right now but because 
because of how uh i think i think this was described by uh one of the release wrestlers last week like bipolar booking where one mm. week they're like they'll do amazing things they'll be on they'll be on top they'll be unstoppable and then next week they'll just lose in a roll-up it's like mm. how can you get invested in those sort of characters if you can't have conviction to them yeah that's, yeah, but yeah, yeah AEW's like I mean I could talk about AEW for literally ages because I I love the promotion so much and like mm. pretty much everyone in that company I really really like and it's got such great a great diverse lineup and offers something a, a an actual alternative like literally yeah. to WWE and that's why I watch it religiously but when it comes to legend wrestler it's a big kettle of fish here I could choose from but I have mentioned him already in the show. And so I'm mm. going to stick with my guns here. I am just going to outright pick Bret Hart. One of my favorites of all time. Okay. Bret Hart is one of the reasons I got so invested in wrestling when I was mm. talking about it at the start of the show. Like in that 90s period, like the whole Hart Foundation thing, I was so into it. Like British Bulldog being involved in that, I, I loved it. And also I think what probably lent itself as well is that Bret Hart to me never came across as a heel. In the, in the late yeah. 90s and 97. I don't know why in hindsight, but there was that thing where it was the whole US-Canada thing. But for whatever reason, Bret Hart still felt like he was part of the UK because he has such a strong affinity with it following like SummerSlam mm. 92 and whatnot and everything with Bulldog. So you could never boo Bret Hart in the UK. It was pretty much impossible unless you really wanted to be the one few people doing it. So mm. Bret Hart for me, it, like, I mean, the whole Montreal thing, like, it, I mean, that's it is what it is. It is what it is at this point, but he didn't deserve to have his career end the way it did. That is just my literal honest opinion. But Bret Hart is genuinely one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. You go back and watch any Bret Hart match and just watch how he works at this point. And you actually think, Mm. man, look where wrestling, I say look where wrestling was and look where it is now, but he is an outlier in the wrestling of then is the way to put it. Mm. So legend, it's like, I don't listen what how do you define legend is it someone who's definitely in the hall of fame or i would say someone who if they're not in the hall of fame you regard hall of fame worthy right in your okay opinion. oh i it's like i've said taker before but i feel taker's kind of like a very I think Taker's take take always... I mean, he has actually... I mean, at this point, he, you could use him as your retired pick if you want. <laughs> I could. I could. I, I kind of want to do some new perspectives. And I I think someone... And again, um, it's it's a bit of a stretch, but they are kind of current at the moment. Someone who I think is going to go in straight away the moment they retire is probably going to be Randy Orton. Yeah. And, uh, and it's like... Don't get me wrong. It's like sometimes Randy Orton is not always the most uh, charismatic wrestler. I mean, certain certain storylines he's been involved with, The Fiend, or the countless times he's faced John Cena, uh, they've not been fully engaging. But there is something of just just an art form of how he operates in the ring sometimes and how he can effortlessly just move into moves and so forth it's like you look at things like the vintage orton draping ddt it's like you don't associate any other person with that sort of move but him now mm. and it's like it's like i remember see, i think i remember seeing seeing him do that at, uh, at a house show uh, a couple of years ago and i think all i could just basically shout was vintage 
because it's like because 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 that move that move set is so ingrained now with randy mm. orton it's kind of like oh here comes vintage here comes vintage <laughs> it just and then obviously there's rko which is but which by far i feel is ah the randy knockout uh, the randy knockout or which i or, always thought that's what it stood for but you know or, Considering how Matt Riddle is trying to use it at the moment as part of RKO Bro, the Riddle knockout as well. Who knows? I, I've got to say, like that tag team of Randy Orton and Matt Riddle is the best pairing. It's like I it mean, shouldn't it, work. between it should... between Ray and Dominic and and RK Bro, as I'm affectionately calling them. Like it's, I love I love tag team wrestling so much, and also like I this is random prediction because I think the next is it the next WWE pay per view is this weekend. Uh, next weekend is Hell in a Cell. Yeah, so. What's the bet? Because I'm pretty sure it's Father's Day, both over here and in America. I predict because it's WWE, Ray and Dominic will lose the belt. Because what be... else would happen on a day of celebrating family? Well, well, the Usos and Roman Reigns will celebrate the fact. They'll they'll probably beat that. The Usos will probably beat the Mysterios, and they'll celebrate as. Well, no, because at the moment they're, they're kind of talking about doing Reigns versus Mysterio Hell in the Cell for the Universal Championship. I am so up for that. I, I think it'll so be fun. I think it'll be fun. I mean, it's like part of me kind of going, I want more Cesaro, but I think Cesaro and Cephalons are going to Hell in the Cell at the moment because of the whole sort of, I've beaten you so much, I, you're not even on the show. Yeah, you're going to get locked in a cage and it's going to be an epic masterclass of, of technicality wrestling and then some weapons. But um, going back to Orton, but yeah, it's like Ort Orton and Riddle should not work as a team. But there is something engaging. I think it also helps that I think Orton really wants to do this storyline as well or really wants to work mm. with this wrestler. And you can sometimes tell when Orton is happy with what he is doing, he does some of the best stuff out there. Um, it's like the whole build-up for Mania last year with um, with Edge. And the kind of like, I did this because I care about you, Edge. I don't want to see you. I don't want to see your family sad. So I'm going to injure you. And then I'm going to RKO your wife. <laughs> ah, like, and, then they, and then they built to the greatest match ever. Backlash. <laughs> That's the full name. Name is like, I remember that being really dodgy, but then it's like, that just like really kind of nonsensical. But when I look back, it's like, that's actually not a bad, that wasn't a bad match. It was just kind of like a nice sort of, hey kids, this is how wrestling 10 years ago was kind of done. Mm. It was quite cool. But but no, I, I very fondly remember Orton's early run when he was Legend Killer, when he just started with Yolusha and the matches he had with Foley. Yeah. The matches he had with Foley. I mean, back, I mean Backlash 2000 with the, with those like... 2004. Four? Oh, 2004, 2004. I yeah, it was, yeah. It, was after, it was after Mania 20. Sorry, I, yeah. I, I, I know dates like that. It's weird. No, so. no, thank you, thank you for correcting me because I know people would be shouting at me right now. Uh, Christian. And I, and, I, and, I watched, and I watched the untold story of this one as well. The, yeah, just the Backlash 2004 match where it's just like, it's like, yes, it's a traditional Mick Foley really hurts himself side of things. Mm. But it was just kind of like, this is the Randy Orton coming out party. Because mm. it's like you to like putting himself out. It's like fun tax and all that sort of stuff. It's like the it's like the facial reactions and stuff like that as well. Um, there's a really good there's a really good untold on the network where it's it charts like the feud between Orton and the Undertaker, which uh, his dad gets involved in as well. Uh, but uh, Cowboy Bob Orton, and it's like it was it's quite interesting retrospective considering where Orton was at the time as a person. And as a wrestler, so it's like he wasn't the most at that time. He wasn't the most 
he wasn't the most kind of professional person. He turned up to mm. training bits completely late or just missed them and and so forth. And being able to kind of rise a bit above above arrogance and, and hubris in a way to become um not not just not just regarded as a real solid ring worker, but still kind of like a legend in his own right in terms of how he conducts certain matches, how he able how he's able to kind of have this move that kind of transcends a lot of things at the moment. It tra- mm. I think that one move transcends, I think, wrestling at the moment. I mean, even in pop culture, especially like all the memes of just Randy Orton just turning up and RKO in Superman or RKO in a grandma at random, or just it became like a mini move in like GTA 5 mods where you can just run up and do an RKO on anyone. And it's just, <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're able to make a, a move that legendary hmm. it's like it's it's even it's like even it's like the celebration of doing the RKOs as well so it's like doing the one on uh evan Bourne, obviously matt sardell hmm. uh during that last minute RKO as he comes down that's cool i still love the one he does at um i still love the one he does at uh wrestlemania uh 31 when rollins goes up uh, it's like uh, yeah, yeah. Rollins goes up stomp. and he just yeah. comes yeah he, he just comes down it's like that's the best RKO I've ever seen mm-hmm. and it's moments like that, that it's moments like that that make things like that special though yeah and make Indeed. them memorable mm, absolutely yeah so yeah that's why I, that's why I say legend at the moment it's like yeah once mm. Orton hangs up his boots he's without a doubt getting into Hall of Fame straight away mm. yeah. speaking of hanging up boots mm. how's, that, how's that for a segue <laughs> Uh, uh, retired wrestler. Um, I'm going to go for a, a different pick here. All right. I, I don't know necessarily how, because every pick is different. So, you know, mm. by by design. But I am going to say... Ironically, I can't say who I was going to say, because I realize they're still wrestling now, but... <laughs> <laughs> It's like they're not retired. Wait, it's, well, it's, like, it's like the it's the given joke. No one stays retired for long in professional wrestling. Exactly right. I like. I, I was. I could just say Terry Funk, but he'll probably come out of retirement next week. Um, <laughs> it's like oh, you can say oh, Rick Flair, but he turns up on Impact and decides to elbow drop a jacket. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I am gonna go with, and this is assuming he is still retired at time of recording. All right, Goldberg. Because that WCW run in '98, this is specifically where I'm going with on this. All that right. whole that whole Goldberg thing about him building up the streak and whatnot up up yeah. until he lost it to Kevin Nash. That time period, I was so invested, mm. so 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 invested in Bill Goldberg. Bless <laughs> okay. you. And so- ultimately, and ultimately as well, even coming back to more recent times, that match of Brock Lesnar that only went like a minute. I oh, lost that, oh, my. That- I lost my mind when that match happened. Well, but, that's Survivor but, Series, isn't it? That's a Survivor, Survivor Series, Series match with Brock. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Rematch. Yeah, I remember watching that with with Christian, and we were both going, "Oh, this will be this will be a, a fun match where Brock will just win." Eighty seconds later, hmm. I mean, what just the, happened? <laughs> exactly right. And the thing is, that, like, I was trying to pick a WCW guy, and I almost kind of picked like a Kevin Nash or a Scott Hall, but yeah. I still associate them with WWF slash wwe yeah and 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 in case you're curious who the other guy was going to say that is that's now wrestling it's sting 
That's what yeah. I was going to say originally for a WCW guy. Then I remembered a couple of weeks ago, he had a really freaking great match of Double or Nothing. Yeah. Really, really good. Re- real estate Steve, as some people called him, had a really good match. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but but yeah, I'm going with Goldberg, but I'm I'm doing it more from the perspective of his WCW time in like 97 through 98 mm. when he was on the streak, because that time period is just amazing. Mm. It was amazing, rather. And like the night when he won the title from Hogan on that night. I remember watching it after Cartoon Network ended. Mm. And because I'm, I wasn't smart at that point to wrestling and whatnot, I just watched it for what it was. Mm. And I only saw Nitro once a week. I didn't know what other talk there had been going around in the world and such. So I just, I watched it and I loved every single minute of it. I have such great memories of Goldberg in WCW. Heck, if you want to see a really good Goldberg match from later on in WCW, Full Brawl 2000, watch him v. Scott Steiner. It is really good. It's like one of those dark horse matches that people don't necessarily remember about, but it's really freaking good. All right. All right. So I've, I've still got my retired one to go. That's the thing. You're, you're, now try, you're now trying to figure out who's still retired because Christian's come back, Edge has come back, Sting's yeah. come back, you know? Um. Of course, it's like I can go for, I can go for partial because he's not technically retired. But he hasn't wrestled mm. in like ages, mm. and eventually he'll probably turn back up because money and money, <laughs> and also celebrity and the power of celebrity uh, makes it, it kind of makes this one a bit straightforward. I I would say The Rock, to be honest. Do you because want, I, uh, yeah, <laughs> because I I think in terms of into ignoring the fact that in terms of wrestlers trying to make a path for themselves outside the ring and the fact that the rock has transcended that in itself to to being where he is where basically he's the highest grossing movie star right now runs tequila businesses <laughs> just 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 every ever like he has, he has, he has under armor's project rock i buy yeah. that clothing line because it it's a good clothing line for, for yeah. tall people yeah, and doing and doing and producing and producing things like a Disney Plus series about the secret stories of ride attractions, uh, even to like even being like the producer of fighting or fighting with my family, which was a decent film. I didn't mind that. I thought it was quite good. I'm a bit kind of. I still need to watch it. I still need to watch it. Come to think of it, yeah. I, I haven't watched it for any particular reason. Just haven't seen it as a film. It's good, but as a W, but as knowing WWE history, you're kind of going. That's not NXT. Because <laughs> they kind of just go, oh, yeah, it's just like some sort of training thing. It's like, no, that's not the NXT I remember. Boom. <laughs> Boom. No, because you, I know what you want, Ian. You want game show NXT. Yeah, no. <laughs> don't, you put, don't you put that on me. Okay, you know you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to derail this for another couple of minutes. I'm going to ask you a question. You can only have one or the other. All right? All right. All right. All right. All right. Game show NXT. Or WWE's ECW. WWE ECW. Fair, good. I'm glad you picked because it. Because it might not be perfect, but at least you have some wrestling going on there. <laughs> Yo, honestly, WWE's ECW wasn't actually garbage. It was all right. It was a perfectly all right 45 minutes or so of a wrestling show on the Sci Fi Channel. I mean, over here, over here it was Sky Sports, but you know, yeah, look, but, but, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. th- that segment involving the zombie, I still laugh at. If I need to pick me up <laughs> occasionally, I literally will just go on YouTube and watch it. Oh, can you imagine just in the room, Vince is going, 
We need some real extreme shit for this show. What do we got? Um, no holds barred? Nah. Uh, cage match? Nah. Zombie? Yes! <laughs> Put it into my veins! I mean, okay, you know what? I'm going to ask you another one now, not just to derail this further, but because I can. So here's your next, here's your next, here's your next difficult choice. All right. The zombie or the great Carly? Great Carly. Okay. He's a, he's a lovable, he's a lovable big giant wrestler. I mean, yeah, it's like they obviously tried to make him as threatening as possible, but he had a heart of gold in the end. And he, I think he still think he won the WWE Championship at Battleground after Ginger Mahal retained. <laughs> I mean, look at that point, just let him have the belt. You know, just let him have the belt. I think he was a world. Cha- he was a world champion, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Who, he was a world who, champion. Or, yeah, Carly because he held the belt up wrong the first time he held it. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure he won it in a battle royal on SmackDown four days before a pay per view. Yeah. That seems familiar. It might, and then then there was a show. No way, he wasn't champion then. There was a show where he was meant to face Big Show, but it was that point in WWE where people had elevated liver enzymes or something dumb like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't again. I don't know why I remember this kind of stuff. I just do. But but yeah, <laughs> what the heck are elevated liver enzymes? Who comes up with this? It's like the liver just working too hard, going. Oh, I'm a real happy working <laughs> liver. <laughs> Got to keep working the liver, and they, they're probably unless the wrestlers are drinking heavily, and hopefully, obviously, heavy drinking is not a good sign. Not a good, not good for the liver. But hmm. I don't know. I don't know where we're going with this. Okay, so, so you're you're retired. You're retired wrestler. Yeah, then we're going to be wrapping up. So yeah, you, I was, you, I was you going. Were I was going, the Rock. I will go with the Rock simply because he's one of the best. He's literally the best talker in the business. And basically, mm. it's like any time he turned up during the Attitude Era, it was like a, it was like magic in a way in terms of promo, promo stuff. Um, and again, he's like he was at he was at the right time. I can't imagine the rock, uh, the rock style, or a character like the rock having that sort of level of freedom in terms of promos. Now, I can't imagine that working. I really can't. Mm. But I think it was like a good trait of it. Um, and again, it's like it's a block, but it's blockbuster matches. You don't necessarily get ring perfection, but mm. when the rock is like in your main event, I you, you put your eyes on it a little bit. Even with it's like once in a lifetime, twice in a lifetime with John Cena or so forth. You kind of didn't watch it because it was John Cena. You kind of watched it because, mm. hey, it's The Rock. He's back and he's doing stuff <laughs> in that sort of way. So, so eventually- I, I, I'll be straight up with you. My favorite time period of The Rock is, yeah. I think it was circa 2003. Like, Hollywood Rock. Hollywood Rock <laughs> yes. is the best. Yes, because I think he just came off doing a film or he was about to go off and yeah. do a film. And he was just kind of just going, yeah, well, The Rock, the Rock's busy here in Hollywood. Uh, I was watching a promo the other day where he's like, I'm busy here in Hollywood. And he's just totally like, yeah, I have tofu. I like tofu. All right. Okay. So <laughs> The Rock's going to pretend that I'm going to be listening. You say whatever you need to say, Hulk Hogan. You say about your vitamins. You, you, say, about, you, you say about your prayers and stuff like that. And then I'll, I'll come back when I'm, I'm ready. And action. <laughs> but no, it's like there it was all. It was always the the fun, the fun at the end of every sort of raw because they do like the best of raw Blu-ray, and that's mm. when they have um, that's when they have like the post raw where they piss around for a little bit of fun, and most yeah. of the time it's just the Rock just kind of going, "Do you like pie? I like pie," <laughs> and then and then I, and then Steve Austin will turn up and just stunner him to high hell, and he will just have the most over the top selling of it. See the Rock, <laughs> the Rock selling of a stunner, I always felt was a was a was something that was never fully appreciated. Yeah, but it's ba- it's basically you roll back, you put your hands down, and you push up. You do like a handstand jump, and then you fall over. Uh, I mean, it's like 
ultra selling is fun, but it's like sometimes it's like really weird. It's like Hogan Michaels at SummerSlam, where he did the leg drop, or he did something, and Michaels just gets up, runs around in a circle, and then falls. Over. <laughs> I mean, I know that, was, at that point, I, Michaels was just like, "What is this?" Yeah, well, obviously, because Michaels wanted to do a couple of matches, and I went, "No, no, we'll just do one, and I win." So I can understand why he's upset, but it's just. It's just a beauty to behold. Oh, oh man. So, Bunker Mania, everybody. We are going to gradually bring this thing to a close. Because admittedly, we've gone yeah. far longer than we actually anticipated we yes. would. We, we, we were I mean, well, this, is, this is the first, this is the first episode. Exactly. It's, it's, it's like episode. a reboot episode. Get to exactly. know your hosts. We did it with Trivial Titans. Exactly. So, in terms of where we're going to be going with this, we're just going to talk about what we want, quite frankly. Like, stuff we yeah. like, be it current stuff, older stuff. We're just going to talk wrestling. But ultimately, the main part of this, as you can tell from what we've been talking about today, is just have a bit of fun. Have fun talking wrestling. Maybe learn some stuff here and there. Hear ridiculously random stories about the New Jersey transit system. You know, it could be (laughs) anything could come up in conversation here on Bunker Mania. And now you're desperately trying to find me on the WWE Network. (laughs) There you go. There you go. So, so Ian, I guess I will hand this bit to you for a second. If people want to get in touch with us, be it to correct us about something that we said, Christian, I'm expecting that to be you. And then <laughs> if, or, you know, if we said something that maybe, you know, we spoke out of turn or if someone which wants to suggest something for one of the topics we talked about, what is the best way for them to get hold of us? Well, of course they can email us at contact at uk. Hopefully we'll have that somewhere appearing down here. I'm trying to find out where my camera is. Let's just say it's down here at the bottom. Down here at the bottom. Power of editing. Magic. Um, so, yes. I thought, uh, do- I, thought you- I thought you were doing like a little. It's like. Uh, at least you didn't have mist, though. Otherwise, you would have just ruined your camera. <laughs> just, I'll just do, yeah, just do the trip, Triple H bottle in a. <laughs> or, or Tajiri if it's green mist, you know. Oh, God. I, have, I just have to quickly talk about this. I watched NXT this morning and. Poppy was the mu- was a musical guest that popped along to NXT. She's done a couple of songs for their main oh, show. Poppy's great. Yeah. And basically, she's meeting up with Regal and Triple H. Triple H in full-on dad mode with rolled up sleeves, buttoned, button button shirt. And, and he's going, oh, it's so great to hear you've done some great songs. What's next for Poppy? And then Poppy takes out her phone and goes, I'm going to release my album. And, and it's like Triple H has just met some sort of sorcerer. He's met some sort of source who goes, wait, you can just press a button and it's released? Yeah. Welcome well, to Twitter. And it's like, <laughs> Triple H's mind was blown. And really Regal is sat there in the back just going, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if William Regal was going to do anything, it should be that. By the way, for, for those of you watching this, if you see me adjusting a light, it's because I've realized it's really dark in here and it looks like one side of my face has just been lit up by the moon. So I'm trying to as best as I can rectify that. But... Ah, straight to the moon, Cameron Grimes. There you go. Um, there you go. Oh, oh, what? oh, I was trying to think. No, if I, no, basically oh, the best Poppy, use of... Poppy, NXT, best album, use of William... button. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and the best use of William Regal, as always, is he just turns up and shouts war games and then runs off. It's basically, it's the yearly tradition. The moment he shouts war games, you go, oh, it's all going on. <laughs> 
Anyway, um, yes. So you can email us at contact uk. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch at Bunkzilla UK as well. Uh, we do stream weekly there, usually Mondays, Tuesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Uh, schedule is kind of all over. The, it's not. It, there's a schedule in place, but um, we'll be looking at the schedule moving forward in the next couple of months. So we might do a few. We might be able to do a couple of bunker menus to the Twitch channel. Who knows? It'll be nice to do something like that. Um, but also, as well, we have our patron uh, program, which we'll talk about now. Cue the ident. And as always with patrons, if you're on the Golden Monster tier, for £10 a month on Patreon, you get a personalised shout-out during any of our podcast videos or even our own audio podcast, or even on stream. So a big thank you to our Golden Monster tier supporters, Harriet, aka Manga Girl, and Leo is great. Thank you so much for your ongoing support of the content that we produce here at Bunkerzilla UK. Now, with Bunkerzilla on Patreon, you get early access to shows like Bunker Mania, like Film Raw, like Super Fortress, and so much more. You can support today for as little as £1.50. We've got the website on the screen right there, patreon.com slash UK is the place to go, and you can find out all great information there. And uh, who knows, we might have some exclusive content coming up there in the near future. But that's Ooh, all my general You, you tease, Ian, you I'm tease. I'm tease, I'm tease, <laughs> I tease. But yes, that, 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 that's, that's my admin out of the way for this for this first episode. <laughs> it's like, it's the, it's the usual admin. We always have fun with the admin. Anyway. That is good fun. I'm sure, like, let us know what you think, guys. If you yeah. think, you know, if you want more of this far more regularly, because in terms of frequency of us doing this, haven't really got a set schedule, to be quite honest, oh, and lifting God. up behind the curtain. Yeah, maybe every couple of weeks, or just depending if something happens, and we're like, we, we must talk. We must yes. talk. We must talk yes. the wrestling. Then, uh, well, then it's we like, I mean, we can probably catch up in a in a couple of weeks after uh, NXT takeover and Hell in a Cell. After, N- after NXT has been in your house, yes. I hope they don't make a mess. It would be terrible if they do. I mean, look, someone's going to jump off the top of it because that's got to happen. It's mostly going to be Io Shirai in some sort of outfit or some sort of thing. <laughs> it's like it's either it, it's usually a, it was like a bin. Uh, one time, I can't remember the other things. It's just, Io Shirai will just pop up out of nowhere and just jump. And it's like, oh, all right. And it's just fine because it's wrestling. <laughs> wrestling. <laughs> yeah, uh, everyone loves wrestling. Yeah, because what, what, what's on the, like, the docket currently for like upcoming pay-per-views? I'm just thinking like what we might be talking about. There's NXT, like you say, there's Hell in a Cell. Yeah. Um, Dynamite. There is a Saturday night Dynamite coming up soon because that's where Jungle Boy is going to challenge Kenny Omega for the belt. I cannot wait for that match. I think, I think there's another Impact special coming up soon, and mm. that's uh, Omega versus Moose. Mm. I think that's this weekend. I'm not sure. At time mm. of recording. Um, but yeah, lots yeah. of things. Lots of things coming up. I mean, it's like Fatal Five Way at in your house. Where basically, I think Karrion Cross is just going to murder a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, I hate also like New, New Japan's had some freaking fantastic yeah. news this week when it comes to who is now the IWGP champion. And mm. Jeremy, who is a, who like has followed Shingo Takagi a lot of the way through his journey of his career, if you like Dragon Gate mm. and stuff, Jeremy at the, was a very, very happy guy when he saw Yay. what had happened. <laughs> like Shingo Takagi being the champ is, it's just so damn cool. It, it, yeah. I mean, circumstances surrounding that may be discussed at another point as to who was previously yeah. champion and, and whatnot. But in terms of him now being the champion, I think mm. pretty much everyone had written him off to win the belt. But mm. him winning it, it's it's going to be incredible. He's yeah. uh, 
such a long time support and seeing it re- seeing him get rewarded like that is so cool i think it's nice for i think it's it sounds like it's something new something fresh something exciting because as much as i can understand the appeal of akada and i've seen akada in action yes i understand it too but i think sometimes just having sometimes just having a bit of fresh fresh blood mm-hmm. with belts makes things more interesting more exciting that sort of things if it's if it's well earned it's absolutely good fun indeed yes. If you've, not seen Shingo, if you've not seen Shingo before, go watch him or at least Google him and see a picture of his wonderful mullet. <laughs> it's the best. Uh. It is. <laughs> and on that note, everyone, thank you very much for, for, for checking out Bunker Mania episode zero. We shall return because, whoa, whoa, Bunker Mania. Da, 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 da. <sighs> No. <laughs> so, Jeremy, we're cancelled. <laughs> yes! I did yes! it! I, I, I broke did it last. I broke it last more than two hours. No. I broke in on episode zero. <laughs> Everyone, thank you very much for watching, and we'll talk again soon. Take care. Stamp on Monsters of Culture. Stamp on. Bye-bye. Enjoy the show. Discover more Bunkazilla originals at bunkazilla.co.uk. Mm.